0: Welcome to the Big Data Beard at Build Conference 2019. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Minton with the Big Data Beard team, and we are at Build Conference in Seattle, Washington, and we are excited today to have another one of these conversations around how We use technology to make the world a better place, and we're joined by Mary Ballard, Senior Accessibility Architect for Microsoft. Mary, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing awesome, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me.
0: Absolutely, so Mary, tell us a little bit about what you do for Microsoft.
1: I run our innovation efforts around accessibility, and so um, accessibility uh, for for many people who may not know, is about uh, giving people with disabilities equal access to information through technology. So whether it's a mobile phone or a laptop or some kind of wearable, people are accessing information and going through scenarios and experiences related to productivity and entertainment. And people with disabilities want and and deserve access to those same things. And so um, accessibility is all about finding ways to make all kinds of technology more useful and more inclusive for everyone. Um, And so within the innovation space, we are working on a variety of different things, many of them AI powered. Um, The project that I'm probably the most uh, most involved with is our Seeing AI mobile app uh, for the blind and low vision community. Mm -hmm. But we're trying to do more of those kinds of things. So lots of research projects and also products that are out in the market today that people can use.
0: Very cool. So give us a little bit of background because uh, I think people underestimate how many folks have uh, disabilities in their lives and they have needs around accessibility. Talk to me about how big of a deal this is in terms of how many people are affected by these and how much this accessibility project could have an impact.
1: The number of people with uh, diagnosed disability in the world is over a billion. So that's a huge demographic of people. But then you add on top of that, um, you know, if you unpack the scenario of disability experience, it's this idea that different kinds of input and different kinds of output are useful for someone. Mm-hmm. So maybe I have a broken arm and and I'm using speech uh, input for something. Or maybe I'm carrying groceries in both of my hands and I can't use my hands to interact with my phone mm-hmm. and would rely on my voice as an input. So in those types of um, situational limitations, the benefit of accessible technology extends to beyond the billion plus into everyone who's using any kind of technology.
2: That's cool. So when did Microsoft start to invest in this accessibility initiative?
1: Oh, accessibility has been around for a very, very long time. Microsoft is not the only company that is doing it. Yeah. Lots of tech companies are uh, are innovating in this space. Um, the Microsoft journey has been uh, particularly important to me. Uh, it's why I moved across the country, uh, originally from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I've worked in accessibility for uh, over 11 years, um, and five of those years have been on the West Coast with Microsoft. And um, We have had a variety of different um, features within our Windows and our Office products. They continue to get better year over year Um, and about four or five years ago, we really changed the way that we were investing and the way that we were scaling the accessibility expertise across the company. And um, that was all led by Satya Nadella's investment in inclusive design and also uh, the leadership of Jenny Leigh Fleury, who's the chief accessibility officer at Microsoft.
0: So where does your passion for accessibility come from? Because it's clear you spent some time in it, but what 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 kind of fuels your fire, the fire in the belly, to work on these accessibility projects?
1: I. Am a natural problem solver. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I am. Uh, I'm very into taking something that uh, should be different and and working to make it better. Um, but also, I genuinely feel and know that accessibility is the coolest kind of technology topic to be working on. It is, um, you know, something that offers real value to an individual. But then you can also Change the way what I would call mainstream technology has also changed and we see that a lot with AI, you know Seeing AI has impacted our computer vision capabilities Um, And so this uh, this power for the customer that then gets extended back into the platform is just really exciting
0: That's cool. So talk to me about this. There's this macro Project or I guess initiative within Microsoft called AI for good, which is it's more than just accessibility It's kind of a larger project. Talk to us about what Microsoft's AI for good initiative is all about
1: Happy to so like I mentioned, you know, we we have all of these efforts around our own product portfolio Windows office Azure Power BI all those great things and we have learned over the years that there is a lot of people outside the company who want to use our platforms to to change and improve their own products. Um, And so AI for Earth was the first AI for Good program. And it was focused around uh, climate change and biodiversity and lots of Earth-related topics. And we kind of took their model and, and wondered if it would work for the disability and the accessibility innovator community. Um, and so we, uh, under the AI for Good umbrella, we have announced our AI for Accessibility program. We just celebrated our one year anniversary. Congratulations. There was cake. Um,
0: <laughs> Always have to have
1: cake. Yes, and uh, we, we have $25 million over the next five years um, to empower anyone, uh, whether you work at a company or you're an individual or you're a researcher, to find value in our AI platform for your own research or your own product, um, and so we have uh, three categories as the program exists today: um, employment. Uh, the unemployment rate for people with disabilities is more than double that of people without disabilities, and we want to have a, we want to have a positive impact in that. Uh, daily life, so being able to deliver technology solutions that. Offer practical value to an individual. So, <clears throat> jumping back to Seeing AI, you know, going to a restaurant for someone who's blind or low vision, reading a menu may be problematic, and a tool like Seeing AI can help read that menu uh, in in whatever way the individual wants. And then uh, communication and connection, because. Uh, underpinning so much of the topic of access to, to technology and experiences and opportunities is related to how we communicate, being able to voice our concerns and being able to consume other people's um, uh, voices. And uh, that's that's a big a big factor. And, and one of our um, most recent ones, uh, inner voice, um, is working on that communication connection angle.
0: Very cool. So why is artificial intelligence, it seems like it's it's the basis for so much of this this conversation. And we talk a lot about AI and machine learning, and big data, but why is AI to you so important in the accessibility initiatives?
1: So I mentioned earlier this situational limitation piece. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that um, at the fundamental level, accessibility is about giving people, however they choose to input or output, access to that information. And AI offers very unique ways of collecting information and conveying that information to the end user so being able to take speech and 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 put it into text Uh, being able to take text and put it into speech Um, being able to uh, understand objects in a photo all of these things are different ways that information is collected processed and also really creative ways that we can then Give that useful information back to the customer.
0: Very cool. So you've talked about C and AI a couple of times. Yes, that's a, that's an interesting project. I had a chance to see Saqib give a demo with Rohan a couple weeks ago at Spark and I Summit, but not everybody's seen it. So explain that one in a little more detail because that's one of the, like the ban- the banner projects that you guys have, and it blew my mind when I saw it. So help the audience understand like what is C and AI and how do they consume that?
1: Totally. Uh, I'll start with where it all began. Mm -hmm. So um, back in in 2015, we had uh, a hackathon that's a cross-company initiative. So all of our employees are asked, stop doing your day job and, and go do something else. And so the something else that myself and about 29 other people across the company went and did was Seeing AI. And it is a mobile app on iOS available for free. And it is demonstrating the capabilities of our computer vision within Azure. Uh, We do that through um, nine different what we call channels. You could also call them features. And so they're divided up by the type of processing that they're going to do. So if a person has um, paper currency and they want to know which is a $20 bill and which is a $1 bill, they would go into the currency channel, take a photo of that bill, and then understand, they'd be told the the denomination of it. Um, If you are in a restaurant, and you're trying to read that menu, um, you could go into either the document channel or the short text channel, and it will digitize the previously inaccessible physical text on the document. Um, and these types of things are very, uh, very practical for the customers, but also are a great demonstration of the state of computer vision today. And we have um, those, uh, we have. All these channels that are what we call production ready, mm-hmm. and then we have some more experimental ones.
0: Yeah, R&D stuff. <laughs> Not sure
1: if it's always going to be right, but um, and so handwriting is one of those.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the handwriting channel, um, a person can take a picture of any kind of handwritten text, and um, digitally it gets analyzed, and they can uh, you know decipher what that what that message was, and we release that um, around Christmas time. And so people in the blind and low vision community were reading Christmas cards for either the first time or the first time since they had lost their vision. Mm. And so it's a, it's a really cool thing. So yeah. um, it's a, it, it was released publicly in 2017. We continue to update it. Um, and it's, it's a really great demonstration of computer vision. It was built with and by the blind and low vision community, which is so fundamental to why it has the success that it has. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're excited where it's gonna go.
0: So you got to tell me some more stories about yeah. people using C and AI, in yeah? because I saw—I mean, Saqib was one of the the folks that gave a great demonstration of it. Walking up, and it actually identified Rohan was ten feet away. What are some other of your favorite stories around people using this to change their lives?
1: Well, the I mentioned the short text channel, and so um, if you have a if you have a full document like a menu there is a document channel that kind of helps, guides the user to detect the edges of the page to take a good photo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really great for a lot of scenarios. But for scenarios where you just want to um, get real, uh, real-time real on-device processing, mm-hmm. um, we have this short text channel. And, what uh, what we learned from social media is that we had customers who were watching um, foreign films with subtitles, okay. and they were mounting their phone up, pointing it at the screen, and every time the subtitles changed, <laughs> it would read aloud yeah. what, the, what the subtitles were on yeah, the screen. Yeah, for sure. Which was not at all how we designed it no. or ever thought that someone would use it, but, but cool hey. that people are finding value in it.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. So you, you talked about the, 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 the CNA, I think, is a good... A statement around the state of computer vision today. Correct. So what is the state of computer vision today? Because I know there's a ton of research the number of you know scientific and research papers being published in this area are it's Stunning the volume of them. What What's your view on the state of uh, the state of computer vision today?
1: I think it has uh, great has made great progress in detecting objects, Mm -hmm. we are beginning to see value in the personalization of computer vision. So what's available in Seeing AI today is, I can take a picture of a person and get some information about, uh, you know, a guess on their gender, their age, their facial features, et cetera.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. We'd likely say that you have a beard.
0: Um, (laughs) That's a brilliant identifier. Just a little one. (laughs) Um,
1: But we can also, on device we can store photos of uh, an individual who's like my friend, mm-hmm. right? And so I would know that this is Corey or that this that this is Brett. Um, and so that that personalization yeah. is, is beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also really curious about uh, we being society, not necessarily just Microsoft, yeah. um, being able to detect personal objects. So how can I find my car keys in a space compared to just any car keys and um, we need more data for that Um, so the state of computer vision is very uh useful and lots of room to grow especially in the personalization space
2: did you see the uh the team for the imagine cup finder and what they were doing around object detection with the camera and the phone i thought that was really cool
1: yeah the imagine cup has been a Fantastic pipeline to be watching over the last several years. I mean, there have been tons of accessibility-related projects,
2: and it's incredible. They're eighteen years older. I mean yeah. it's, it's incredible, mind-blowing.
1: And you know what? What underlies some of that is accessibility has not really been discussed um, at the uh, with the intention that it deserves um, at you know undergraduate and even high school levels um, up until about two, three years ago when we saw a really big rush with that. Um, Because we have, you know, we hire fantastic talent into our companies um, and in their computer science classes, they may not have learned about how to make that user interface accessible or how to make that website accessible. Um, And we're seeing that shift, uh, which is a really great thing that that we're able to contribute to making, because building accessible technology, we know is fun Mm -hmm. and, it's great when we see young people taking on this yeah. this opportunity because the it makes the future for technology
0: even brighter. What's well, the right thing to do? Right. I mean, it's the right thing to do to be inclusive. So to teach that early, I think is brilliant. So one of the things we obviously talked about seeing AI, but AI for good has a bunch of other cool projects. You mentioned one, this inner voice yes. thing. And this one I wanna I wanna dig into a little bit because I, I saw a video. And these kiddos, I was just like, it was all I could do, like not to just like tear up thinking about how cool this is. Right. Tell us about what inner voice is and what how that came about in the AI for good group.
1: Right. So again, we uh, AI for accessibility has been around for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, our application window is open at any time. Okay. And uh, just about every quarter we announce the the grantees that have been selected in that round. And so one of our, our recent rounds has been a company called iTherapy that uh, works on um, Uh, speech and communication assistance for people, uh, who maybe have autism, maybe they have had a stroke, um, and they are helping an individual practice their communication skills, their emotion, uh, you know, understanding of others. Um, and just their, their, the, the, communication uh, value that they have um, with the with an app um, that is available uh, today. And they had this great product uh, that had success in a v- variety of schools and they were looking at Azure and wondering if that could um, bring their product to the next level. And so they applied for the grant, uh, we we awarded that. And what they're doing now is um, making their uh, digital avatar that they have in their app, um, powered by our facial recognition technology. Um, and there's also, they're working on a, a chat bot um, to help an individual, um, and in the video it was children, yeah. uh, practice um, interacting with the avatar. Uh, because this idea of uh, mimicking others' emotions is very fundamental to um, to progressing your own understanding of emotion and your own ability to uh, express that emotion.
0: Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, tell me a little bit about any other cool projects inside of AI for accessibility that are available, like now that you're working on.
1: Yeah, um, we have another grantee, uh, Zebra Robotics, who has a product called Readable Stories. And that's around um, reading comprehension and literacy, and they also have um, have a very intentional intersection with uh, people from low income uh, neighborhoods, and they have um, they have used Azure and, and our AI and our machine learning to uh, influence the accuracy and the capabilities of that reading comprehension tool um, that is also available today.
0: Very cool. So. Do you want to go with this one? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Sorry, I um, a little pause there. I'm trying to get them shifted over to something. I didn't best over.
2: <laughs> um, so, what announcements at Build regarding accessibility are you most excited about?
1: I think the speech um, capabilities within Azure are always going to have a lot of weight in in the accessibility space. Um, you know, we have uh, we have had a number of partnerships with the deaf and hard of hearing community over the years, and um, being able to uh, make captioning, automatic speech recognition yeah. for captioning um, real is uh, something we're very proud of. We have a, a relationship with the Rochester Institute of Technology in upstate New York, where they have um, a, a large population of students who are deaf or hard of hearing. And their um, in-house captioning uh, service, um, you know, which is you real people, yeah. Mm -hmm. Typing captions um, was not able to scale to their to match their student population. And so they asked Microsoft what kind of technology we had and What we worked on together was um, Using our Microsoft translator app, uh, which is also available for free Um, it offers uh, speech to text it also offers language translation and uh, many classrooms at RIT are using this and you know, the kids who are deaf are finding value because they're getting access to the information from their instructors, but also the kids who are not deaf are also benefiting from it. Um, Maybe it helps them stay focused. Maybe it helps with note-taking. So variety really, yeah. I
0: mean, that's actually, I saw it in action. Uh, during one of the presentations this week where it's literally above the slides, you're getting that transcript. And for me, I'm one of those folks that I when I read I <laughs> comprehend far better than when I hear. Yeah. And I while I am deaf in one ear, but like it's like, this is incredible. Like this is an incredible thing for not just people that have like a diagnosed, as you said, accessibility challenge. Right. It's that holy cow, it just may meet me where I am that I don't classify as maybe a disability. It's just right. like this is how I work. Right. I love seeing those. So I, I'm curious, Microsoft seems to put a lot of focus on creating avenues for Creativity in the space. You talked about hackathons. You talk about these grantees. Like, how how does that all come together? Is that is that like a is that just the ethos of the, the company? Is that something that top down? Like, where does that like room for creativity come from?
1: Well, we're encouraged to to take risks. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's definitely a um, a commentary on the culture that we have uh, within Microsoft globally. And I think the other the other aspect within the accessibility space is understanding and partnering with the uh, the NGO community around the world. And so, um, yes, of course, we we hire people with disabilities into Microsoft, um, but there's also a lot of disability uh, related nonprofits around the world. And it's important for us to have those relationships to understand what they are Want with technology, what they mm-hmm. expect from technology, mm-hmm. um, and so that's that's a big factor uh, in in keeping it real, right? It's yeah. not we're not just creating tech for tech's sake. We're creating technology that people want and that that deliver a very valuable solution to them.
0: That's very cool. So in all these creative places, you've got opportunities to do this. There's got to be like new cool projects you're thinking about. So what are the things that you're most excited about in in context of AI for accessibility? What are the cool projects that your team's working on that you can Speak about publicly, yeah. but just things that you're generally looking at over the next 12 to 18 months.
1: I think because you can't have any conversation about AI without talking about data, I would say that data is a very, very hot topic for our year two of the grant program. Um, and that's across AI for Good. It's not just for AI for Accessibility, but within AI for Accessibility, there is not enough data from people with disabilities in these data sets. Um, you know, jumping back to the seeing AI example for a moment, um, a person who is blind is going to take a different uh, framed photo of an object than a person who is sighted. And so how how do our our models understand that? Yeah. Um and for people with impacted speech, um how does speech recognition work for them? So Again, with RIT, we we have a relationship around captioning, um, but we also have a relationship with them around um, building custom speech models through Azure Custom Speech. And uh, one of the professors is also deaf at RIT, and um, he demoed at Build last year um, on stage uh, with uh, his his deaf voice, you know, or deaf accent, um, and the speech recognition system was able to pick it up. Really, and really? so it's awesome. But that's only possible because of the, the data. data that was used to train that model. Yeah. And so we um, we definitely have a, a great opportunity for um, talking with the disability community mm-hmm. um, and helping them lead us to the solutions that they want mm-hmm. and uh, helping us with the data collection or to, to enable those possibilities.
0: It's, it's interesting when you talk about that. I, I see this massive intersection between AI can power accessibility. But then there's this other side of it, which is data and the way that we build AI models, it's really hard not to like immediately identify outlier things like yes. things that are disabled. So we we had an ethics talk yesterday, and it's like it's really hard not to teach a neural network that like this is an obvious problem. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you marry those two challenges of you're trying to collect data that is about a specific community, but you're equally trying to protect. And like honor that community's privacy, and, and, and how do how does Microsoft approach that, and how do how do other organizations try to think about that?
1: It's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, the privacy comes up in in all aspects of AI. I think the um, the biggest thing that we can do is be transparent about what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if I think about uh, sign language recognition um, with the deaf and hard of hearing community. Being able to collect a large corpus of video data of people signing, um, we want we want people from the deaf community to contribute to that, um, and so we have to be uh, very transparent about how we're going to collect it, how we're going to store it, and luckily Azure has great things to offer in that space. But also be transparent with the community about what we intend to do with it. Um, the fact that uh, you know we we could um, make sign language a uh, translatable language in the way that spoken languages are is exciting from a technology perspective, but is it something that the deaf community wants? And so it has to be an ongoing conversation. And as technology gets more um, more accurate, mm-hmm. um, then the conversation can change and, and hopefully result in something that makes makes lots of people happy.
0: So it's, it is really interesting because this is that world that I want to live in where technology becomes the great equalizer. So how, how do people that want to learn more about um, AI for accessibility and the AI for good initiatives, where do they go to learn more and how do they get involved?
1: We have a, a great website, microsoft.com slash AI for accessibility, mm-hmm. that tells um, more details around the grants that are available and uh, the grantees that have been awarded already um, and some information around how Azure can, can um be involved with uh, accessible technology development, um, and uh, our uh, our grant application is at slash grant uh, I made it super simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so simple's good. Anyone can apply okay. um, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, if you have a product today. That you want to uh, explore whether or not AI can help, um, we can we can support that. If you uh, are an NGO that wants to work with some developers, we can help with that too. Um, so uh, we definitely definitely want to hear from the community to find out um, what uh, what this this robust uh, developer uh, community can can bring here.
0: Well, very cool. What well, has been fun to hang out with you, and at, at Microsoft's Build conference? It's incredible to see. A company that I'll say is doing the right thing to make technology again that great equalizer to make the lives of everyone on the planet better So thank you for the conversation. It's been super fun
2: We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal in a segment We like to call rapid fire pew. pew. Uh, All right. So what is the latest great book that you've read that you would recommend to our listeners?
1: Uh, I have not read many books in uh, quite some time. I've been reading a lot of research papers. Uh, The book I am about to read is uh, Chelsea Handler's Life Will Be the Death of Me. Uh, She's coming to Seattle as part of her book tour. And so uh, I am looking forward to reading that.
2: Okay. And then research paper you would recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah. um, uh, Sadiq Ah Al Alkas Razi, uh, who is a researcher at RIT, um, wrote a great paper uh, with his advisor, Matt Heunenforth, um, around sign language modeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea of uh, a person is signing and there is a there is an idea of a signing space. And the fact that while I'm telling a visual story, I can place items in that space. Um, And so. For, for the sign language uh, geeks in the world, yeah. that, that's a paper I'd highly recommend.
2: Interesting, that's awesome, all right. So we are at a conference, so if you were speaking at the conference or if, if you had a song to play when you go on stage, what would it be?
1: Ooh, um, probably uh, Panic at the Disco run for uh, High Hopes. <laughs> high Hopes, yeah, High Hopes. Choice. Like
2: yeah. it. All right, so what piece of technology is currently making your life worse?
1: Uh, my crack screen on my phone. Oh no. Yeah. Join it's the club. Really, it's really sad.
0: Goodness. Have you gotten any of the, uh, the, the splinters in the finger yet?
1: Oh yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's been a real struggle.
0: Yeah. Um, Equally one of my favorite commercials. It was a couple of years ago where it was like the broken phone and the guy was like yeah. got all the band-aids on his fingers. was <laughs> yeah. so John Hader, it was, or Bill Hader was pretty great.
2: My cracks getting bigger and bigger. It's <laughs> spreading across the screen right yeah. now. Eventually I'm going to have to get it replaced. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what is your biggest personal money pit right now?
1: um soul cycle
0: oh good choice good one <laughs> that's not a bad thing my
1: favorite way of working out but
0: <laughs> excellent i'm an orange theory person but it's fine yeah <laughs> he just got me into
2: it last week and uh it's it's awesome but it's also terrible yeah, it's let's be honest bit, <laughs> the, the
1: music is louder and there's more techno in soul cycle so if oh. you like that mm. Ooh, I do like come party with us
2: with this that would be fun uh all right so what show are you binging on right now
1: uh Shits creek
2: Really? Okay. Wait, oh, my which, goodness. Which one is that? Is I, that the, it's on
1: Netflix. It's with uh, Dan Levy and U- Eugene Levy. Do you, do you ever yeah. see the movie Best in Show? I did. Okay. So Eugene Levy's in that. Yeah. And so it's him and his son who have written this this uh, series. Yeah. And it's hilarious. All right. Um, I'm
0: going to add I'm that highly one recommend. to the list. list yeah. yeah.
2: All right. And then lastly, where's the next interesting place that you were going?
1: Uh, I'm going home to New York uh, at some point in in June to see cool. my family.
0: There you go. Well, good for you. Well, Mary, it has been super fun to have you on the Big Data Beard Podcast, and I wish you the absolute best of luck in doing and delivering AI for accessibility with Microsoft.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast.
1: The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify.
0: And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.